starting the episode today with finding a lost track. This is if you lose your track and uh, you're standing there looking at crisp ground, there's nothing around you. Looks like nothing is uh, broken ground ahead of you. Uh, you want to look for your last definite signs. Uh, the track following drill um, has it's evolved not just to assist the visual tracker when following a track, uh, but to prevent the tracker from walking into an ambush or a booby trap. It's also designed to prevent a tracker from losing the track. So step two of the track following drill emphasizes uh, that the, vis the visual tracker must remember the last definite sign and that when in doubt a visual tracker should have a definite mark not more than three to five meters away where he can reestablish the track. So because many of the, the different deception tactics that can be used to lose a tracker, a visual tracker should always be conscious of the fact that losing a track can be a matter of uh, taking one or two steps in the wrong direction. And uh, since since it's a, it's a problem when following a track to um, be led off track by thinking that they're following a track that's not there. So uh, this sometimes happens. Uh, I, it can happen uh, under stress and uh, and it can happen in bad conditions and it can happen over an extended period of time where um, there's sort of a false track that seems to continue from the the actual track uh, the actual track has veered off to the left or the right or backtracked and the false track uh, continues on an indefinite distance uh, leading the tracker off of the the actual track and it does appear to be there uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that's um, difficult to to um, to prevent from happening. Uh, the best way to do it is to always stay right with what's actually there, and not to uh, get distracted by uh, a need to hasten or hurry. Uh, and, uh, you know, where it's going to and pressure to produce results. These all combine to kind of, uh, sometimes create a false track off of an actual one, but you do sometimes actually just lose the track and how do you recover it? So the initial track, uh, visual tracker always has to remember his individual signs. He never moves further than the last definite sign without another definite sign in front of him. So the last definite sign was a partial print, and the next definite sign is uh, um, some broken uh, foliage ahead. So the last known sign was was the partial track, and the, the next known sign is the broken uh, branches and bracken up ahead. So that's, you move from one sign to another, and they're actual signs. 
if you are, if you're tra the track you're following is so thin that you are following, uh, like when somebody in the morning, uh, when somebody walks across grass, when you walk across grass, there's a, a track that's left or it, or in the evening after dewfall, uh, a person walks across, um, a grassy area of, uh, a short grass field. There's a track that's left behind. Uh, the grass is kind of spongy and bounces back up. Um, it does leave somewhat of a track. And there's a real obvious track through the the dew or the uh, the water moisture on the on the grass. It creates on one across the field, it creates a weathered look of of uh, damp dew that's been tracked through uh, where the um, the pursuit target or quarry has has gone through. So um, this is a this is kind of a thin trail that uh, sometimes can appear to be there when it isn't. Uh, it looks like because it looks like something went through and there's a the uh, the dew is broken on the field. Uh, the footsteps or the track steps uh, the 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 grass. Uh, indentations seem to be there. They seem to accompany the um, the dew track. So this is one of the this is a a false sign, and you have to actually look for some sign. And the best way to do that, like in this particular circumstance, is make sure that you have a solid track, a partial print or something, as you enter the field, and then you cross the field across this track. You check at the other side. And you make sure that you've got one or more solid signs that you're re reacquiring. You're not just following a sort of a an ephemeral surface track. You've got actual solid um, indented sign or or broken brush sign. Something that gives you a, a solid indicator of a passage through the area. Uh, if what appears to be a definite sign turns out to be false or incorrect upon closer inspection, then the visual tracker has to has to stop and and go through the track following drill again. And if no definite sign can be found, then he has to return uh, to the last definite sign and start again. So the drill is to carry out the track following drill from that location, from the, the last known location. If no track is found, you want to return to the last definite sign, the last known definite sign location that you really feel confident about and carry out the track following drill again. If you started to lose confidence and think that it was getting thin before, you know, on your on your last track sign, you want to go back another one before that or another one before that, whichever, whatever the, the previous sign was that was solid and you were certain that that was an actual, uh, an actual trail sign that's one you want to go back to not necessarily the next one the most recent one if you had some doubts about the most recent one or several of the most recent ones in a row you started to think this looks like it's a little a little sketchy then you want to go back to the last solid sign uh, if the uh, if you carry out the uh, the the track following drill from that location and no track is, is found or recovered. Uh, you want to carry it out. Again, you want to repeat this 
again, this going back to the last known uh, definite sign, and if the track still cannot be found, uh, then an initial cast must be made. So you have to you have to go back to the last place where you felt confident. That could be like a mile back, and uh, and start start over again with a a cast about the area as to what happened with where the person was, where your quarry was at that point, and where they might have gone after that last solid sign partial track. It's usually a partial track because you're pretty sure about a partial track. Uh, bracken sometimes can be misleading and, you know, a lot of other, a lot of other trail signs can be a little bit misleading. They can be, uh, they could have been done by animals or by wind or by, uh, you know, an earthquake in the air. Who knows? Uh, so you, you know, you, you're pretty sure about a, a partial footprint sign. So you want to go back to your most recent partial footprint and start your your cast around the area for for uh, your next sign. Uh, you want to move back along the track from the last definite sign for 10 to 15 meters, and then uh, the tracker and the uh, the coverman move off alone and walk in small circle 20 to 30 meters in diameter around the point of the departure and the visual trackers aim there is to cut across the enemy's tracks a cut across the the target's tracks uh, whether the visual tracker moves off to the left or to the right is optional uh, he'll be influenced by the general direction of the target and his own idea of which way the enemy may have gone so you want to be real careful about having an idea of where the enemy or where the target has gone uh, and there's a difference there uh, when you think about an enemy going somewhere, when you think about a target going somewhere, uh, your target or your quarry might be uh, it might be game quarry, or it might be uh, it might be um, an allied quarry. You know, it's somebody that uh, is lost. You're tracking them, or it's a it's a unit that got uh, they got separated, and you're trying to locate them. Um, it, it could be some other. You know, you're not you're not necessarily looking for an enemy. And if you're looking for an enemy, you know, the thought of what they, where you think they might have gone can sometimes make it difficult to stay on the actual track because uh, it's not always easy to uh, anticipate. You should try not to anticipate what uh, the other person is doing too much. You, you allow the anticipation to inform the tracking uh, somewhat. Mostly the tracking informs, informs the anticipation. So you want to give the bulk of the uh, informational content to the track informing the anticipation of what your quarry is doing, of what your target is doing or will do or is headed to, rather than the other way around. And that'll help uh, reduce getting led off with a false, with a false track. Um, and this is how deception, track deception is done uh, by, and by noticing that the pursuing party is in a hurry. Uh, they are, they want to get things done by dark. They don't want to be out after dark or they don't want to stay out for an extended period of time. Uh, they're traveling fast. They have people in the group that are not interested in tracking and are irritated by the tracking procedure. Uh, 
and they are not, they're not really invested in putting in the time and energy to accurately track the person. They're assuming that this will be quickly over with. And a, a person that is deceiving a tracker uses that information to uh, present the the um, appearance of setting a tracking direction and then uh, hiding the actual direction by placing a false track over over the actual track so that the pursuing party continues down the false trail and the actual trail veers off to the left or right and continues along its uh, intended course without the pursuing party so you want to be you want to be careful to follow what you have as best as you can and not to anticipate too much. Sometimes you get to a point where you can't, there's uh, due to the, due to terrain, there's not, uh, there's not a good track ahead of you. You don't have very much to go on. It's very thin and uh, the, uh, the surface of the ground is hard. There's not a lot of foot track. The person didn't leave a lot of overturned stones or any kind of real indication that they passed through. Uh, and you sort of have to come up with some idea of what they might have done. Did they continue down this foot trail? Did they, did they go up the rock face and go over the top? Did they go down the embankment? And are they down in the water underneath in the, in the uh, water line, walking back up the water line behind you? You know, you got to... Sometimes you got to just try to figure out what they would have done at this point where you don't have any track at all or your track is super thin. Uh, that will help you relocate it as well as making your, your uh, um, 30 meter to 50 meter perimeter, careful perimeter cast check. Uh, if the tracker comes across a track, he has to make sure that it's uh, the um, <clears throat> the target's track that he's found. Uh, he has to check the track for age and the number of people and establish the track as the one he's following. And then he checks backwards to see if the track connects with the known track and then checks forward to see if the track he's found, the new uh, the new track, is, uh, is a, a target deception, you know, a false track that the target's attempted to lay. Uh, he then completes a circle in case of a, of a group split uh, of the, the quarry party split into several groups and took off in different directions. So you want to complete the circle to make sure that uh, you didn't just get two people out of a party of six. The four important people went one way and two Two people led the search part, the search party and tracking party off in, in the wrong direction. Uh, it's possible the visual tracker and the cover man will be in sight of a patrol leader. Uh, while the tracker's moving, the cover man travels a little apart and to the rear of the visual tracker, and he has to be alert, facing in the direction of possible danger, and uh, listening, intent and alert for sign of 
a possible ambush. Uh, tracker always has to remember that 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 um, this is one of the things about following groups uh, that <clears throat> you know your track may end suddenly and you find yourself in an ambush because that was the intent. They realized they were being followed and and uh, one of the deceptive moves is to is to drop back and ambush the tracking party and remove it and then continue on their track, their trail. Continue on their on their uh, direction towards their destination. Before the visual tracker and his cover man move off in the initial cast, uh, the patrol leader should move forward and position himself at the starting point of the cast. Uh, that helps the uh, that helps the the tracker to to see where it is, and he can tell the distance. This helps with distance uh, of reestablishing the track. You can see from where where the uh, where the patrol leader is standing. You know where your new track starts at, and this kind of gives you an idea of what happened a little bit and how to recover the rest of your track. Uh, he remains in that position and waits the return of the visual tracker and the cover man, and he must make sure that all the members of the patrol know the direction the cast started and the direction from which the visual tracker and the cover man will return. So during this period, a patrol moves off track and takes up an all-round uh, defensive position, and silence is uh, important during that period as the visual tracker and the cover man are vulnerable. Uh, the patrol is warned to hold their fire until positive identification is made. This is a, this is for a combat circumstance, but you know, you track for all kinds of reasons, uh, and it's a good idea to have some tracking skill. However, you know, however simple your tracking skill is, just even some real basic stuff, so that if you are uh, in a survival situation, you can, you can. Uh, you can hunt game for yourself, and you can also help uh, defend yourself against pursuit, and you can also uh, help find um, civilized location uh, to uh, help your um, your own rescue, self-rescue yourself. You know, you're out in the middle of a wilderness. You don't know where you are. You're in, uh, you know, you're in the Amazon. You're in. You're in the outback in Australia. You're trying to you're trying to get back to civilization. You don't know exactly where that is. Uh, you come across some tracks. If you can track at least a little bit, you can you can cut your travel time down by locating um, a small um, outback station that just happens to be out of sight, but not very far away. That you might have passed right by if you didn't have any tracking skills. So it's a good idea to have at least some tracking skills, you know, for for your own defense and your own uh, and for your own purposes of uh, of survival if you're in any kind of a situation. Um, so continuing on with recovering a track uh, on the return of the visual tracker from the initial cast, if no track's been located. Uh, you want you might want to do an extended cast, and if this is if this is available, if you can do this, you've got time and uh, your location is good for it. Uh, you, you can bring in a v second visual tracker and a coverman, and uh, and you extend that out to a, a further a further distance, and you do two 
two tracks that you do a, a close perimeter uh, circle around where your original cast set was, and then you do an extended one that's uh, a further out, uh, you know, 80, 100, 150 meters, something like that. And uh, you bring in a second, a second tracker. Um, the Marines do this. They keep a pretty good uh, track training, tracking training uh, for their for their basic uh, mounted, dismounted patrols. And um, most of them, a good a good group of them, have some tracking skill and are able to uh, do at least some basic tracking and this kind of is uh, the kind of circumstance that they would be involved in. Uh, the army really only has uh, some tracking um, training. Uh, you might have ranger training, you might have special forces training, uh, you might have um, special ops or joint training uh, in tracking. Um, the infantry has a, used to have an, a basic tracking course. I don't think they do now. I think they phase that out. Um, you have your, uh, you have your locating a, a field point on a map, but you don't have any, I don't think, I think they phased out the, the tracking. So this is a this is a good skill to acquire. Um, a lot of people get it from hunting. Uh, hunting season, you learn to do some some basic tracking just to uh, be be a successful hunter. Uh, you go out and you're out for a weekend, a three day weekend, and uh, you know you're paying attention to things that are out there. You're looking for specific types of tracks. Uh, you're finding out that tracks, some tracks don't work out and some tracks do. And a lot of people get their basic uh, skills from, you know, from weekend hunting game. So uh, you can do this extended case. Um, a quick reaction. Uh, extended case is uh you don't take uh you don't take the full time you just uh you send out a a quick second extension uh that does a quick perimeter check to make sure that you don't have a split party or a second track once the track has been found the visual trackers return and a follow up continues as before and you just repeat this until you are confidently back on a on a on a specific track that you're following uh, there's a box search. This is if both the initial cast and the extended cast fail to locate an enemy track uh, or reacquire the track. The box search becomes necessary. It's a. It can be seen that a visual tracker, um, visual trackers cover the ground on two occasions with circles of twenty to thirty and fifty to sixty meters in distance, and then you can do an extended one of. Uh, uh, 100 to 150 if you want to do that. Uh, these t these casts are time consuming. Uh, you get pretty, it gets a little bit faster uh, with experience, but it can be up to three hours, two, three hours. 
uh, by ordering a box search, uh, this can bring it up to another additional hour. This is what I was talking about with the time. You know, sometimes this happens, you, your track runs out and you got to relocate it and you're standing there for three or four hours trying to relocate the track before you, you rediscover it, uh, way out of the area that you were looking for, looking, looking in for it. Uh, you know, it's a hundred meters out and across a, a brook that, uh, you were not expecting to, to locate really. Um, and then you can pick up your track and start again, but four hours have passed while you're, you know, while you're looking for this and it's, uh, it's four thirty in the afternoon and you've got three hours before, before nightfall. Um, and I have mentioned you can do this with night vision. Night vision kind of makes it a little bit easier sometimes uh, in certain areas. Um, you've got your your heat sensors and so on that can make it uh, somewhat easier if you're mounted, dismounted. And, uh, and then it's also a little bit more obvious with the color differences. Uh, sometimes it can make it harder. It depends on the terrain. If you're in... Uh, if you're in um, Wooded terrain, it's a lot. It can be more difficult, and if you're in open terrain, it can be uh, simpler. It can make it easier across uh, terrain that is usually difficult to track without um, without night vision. So, so for a box drill, uh, each. Um, each group of uh, in the tracking group that's uh, broken up into three and four man, uh, looking for the from the area of the last definite sign, uh, you decide you decide on an azimuth and uh, move out in the opposite direction to a distance of about five hundred meters, um, and then you set up a box shape with the people that you have. <clears throat> And then you begin an independent search for track and sign of the enemy. So instead of a short circle circumference around where your last known track sign was, you start with your last known track sign. You set an azimuth from there, uh, and you go, we'll say north, and you have one person standing at the track sign, and you you set an azimuth uh, north, a north azimuth, and you set two people there in a and east and west in a box and then they start this uh circular check this expands your circular check uh to a greater distance and and uh casts out to a further distance uh in an organized manner that covers that covers uh the area um, the circles overlap inside the box. So this helps, uh, you know, when uh, police are looking for evidence, uh, they will search an area uh, in a box pattern where you start in, you just, a group of people line up and they walk up a distance, everybody looking directly in front of them for the evidence directly in front of them. And then they they take a right turn, and this way they can cover a whole area uh, co co 
cohesively. They don't, they don't leave any area of it unsearched. Whereas if you're just walking randomly around. So what you want to do is try to establish your box, set up your box and run your box pattern so that you are overlapping your circles with the four corners of the box and everybody's extending their circle. The circle extends out from, from the initial um, track point out to the furthest uh, distance that you can get outside of your your initial circle. So your initial circle was 30 to 40, and then your next circle was uh, 50 to 60. And then you might do an extended circle of 100 to 150. So then your box pattern would run out to about 100 or 150 uh, in a box formation. So to the left, 150 to, to the north, 150 to the right 150 or your north east and your west and then you set up your box pattern at four corners and each of the four people does a, a 30 60 and 100 circle over with overlapping circles at 100 uh at the 100 meters to try to reacquire the track if you've got time to do that this takes quite a while but if you've lost your track and you have a, a you have a decent amount of time to follow, uh, it's you know it can be worth the effort. Um, so each three to four man will cover one quadrant square of a thousand by a th by a thousand meters. So that's what it does it sets up like a map square, and then each person in in their area covers the overlapping area and extends into the next map quadrant. Uh, so an alternative method to the box search then is the fan method. Uh, the composition of uh, that depends on the availability of patrol personnel, so how many people you have with you. Uh, if it's just you and a couple people, you can still do a fan method. Um, if you have people that are interested in looking for what you're looking for. Um, so you've got uh, the fan method is uh, you start with your basic track and, uh, and each person fans out. Uh, if you've got three or four people, you one person goes left, one person goes straight ahead, one person goes right. And uh, the fourth person goes uh, somewhere in between or back uh, at an angle between uh, the original track and either the left person or the right person. And uh, you, you, each of you do um, a, a regular cast method and look. Uh, you can also do a baseline method. This is where you line up and you just, uh, I just described this. Everybody lines up. Uh, you know, 10 meters apart, and you you just you continue in a straight line, each person looking to the right and left of them. Uh, or you can extend that out, uh, say 25 meters or 30 meters apart, each person doing a cast line within that area. 
and then you move up another 20 or 30 meters and everybody does a cast. So this creates like a, a line with uh, four circles on it and then uh, you move up uh, 30 feet and it's a line with four circles on it like that. Uh, you can do a streamline method, uh, the cross-grained search, and the likely areas probe. The likely areas probe is the one that's most often done. This is uh, you stand at your last cast point, your last uh, imprint point, and you think, okay, what did they do here? They're, they figured out that they're being followed. They're eluding the, uh, the pursuing party. Where would they go to, to elude the pursuing party? Uh, and then you look across the area and you try to figure out what was the most likely thing for them to do uh, that they might have done based on what they've done previously. So this is the most most often used. It's the fastest one. It's based on you tracking a uh, picture to, to that point. Uh, the cross-grain search this and the streamline method, these both are are uh, you would you use these more in search and rescue type of thing, or um, uh, you might use it for uh, recovery of of some kind of uh, evidence or material or uh, some kind of lost item. You're looking for a lost weapon. You might use that. Uh, additional search methods would be. Uh, all searches uh, mostly center on the last definite sign. Uh, with the baseline method and the streamline method and the cross grain, uh, there's a larger area covered and the, um, the patrols would be a larger group of people. This would be more like a search party group of people. So these patrols would now be working in a restricted limits and boundaries and are searching for sign of the uh, the target presence in the area and then all track information is reported to uh, uh, the patrol leader to decide where and when to continue the follow-up if uh, if the target track is found so the likely area probe can be mounted before the other three if the uh, the patrol leader feels that there's going to be more success in locating the enemy tracks when I say patrol leader here this is basically the tracker. Whoever's got the tracking ability in uh, in the group. Sometimes there's a couple people that do, and uh, oftentimes nobody does. Just one person. So that's they they coordinate with the uh, the assigned patrol leader to get this job done. Um. So you want to follow the factors that are going to be considered. Um, before ordering this type of search of the possible uh, task and intention of the uh, of the um, target who's being followed. So, um, you know, are you following somebody that's headed off to do something immediately that you need to stop? Uh, are there intentions to um, set an IED or to set a tripwire or uh, to execute um, a sniper position or some specific mission that the target has that you need to keep in mind because it's time 
it's time sensitive. It's just going to, it has a time culmination point that you need to, um, make your, base your, your tracking decision making on, uh, the age of the track and the time of day when the enemy or when the target was at, at the place where the last definite sign was located. So you want to consider the time of day and uh, the age of the track, how long ago that track was made, and uh, the time of day that it is at the time the track's noted and the time of day that it was when it, when the track was made. Uh, by close study of the map, uh, the tracker can question the possibility of the enemy splitting up or the, the target group splitting up and moving to populated areas. So you want to try to get to the track before it gets to populated areas, obviously, because it can be difficult to follow track in a populated area. Uh, this is a little bit easier in some places. Um, if you're tracking in any third world places, uh, oftentimes you can follow a track into a village area. Um, even though there are other tracks around, you can follow that specific track that you've been noting now for you know, you've been following it for two days. You can track it into a, a populated area as long as the population isn't too dense. And the, the tracking surface is still pretty decent. Um, but if they move into a, an urban area, obviously your tracking capability is going to be reduced drastically. It's you, They've got a lot of other red herrings across the, the trail. So the weather conditions at the time the track was made and after the track was lost, uh, did it rain heavily and continuously since the enemy was last in the known position, for example? And uh, having considered the those factors, those specific factors, then you would want to make a decision to move forward and check for sign at the at the most um, likely locations. For a uh, lost track, that would be riverbanks or or waterway banks, uh, areas of track junctions, areas of steep gradients, areas of likely campsites, and any other areas where uh, the target may have gone or where there's a good chance of picking up sign. So riverbanks is can, can, this can can include uh, culverts. Those are uh, those are drainage ditches that have a, uh, uh, they're hard-sided. Um, it can include soft-sided um, drainage ditches and irrigation ditches. There were a lot of these in, uh, in the Middle East and Afghanistan and, and Iraq. Uh, areas of track junction. This, t this includes uh, trails, uh, the, the, the target may have decided to acquire a regularly used trail, or they may have made it appear that they acquired a regularly used trail. Uh, the target may have led you up onto a road um, and appeared to walk down the road when, in fact, they crossed the road, or they crossed the road and, uh, and they make it look like they have crossed the road and continued on into the bush on the other side, but actually they've walked down the road or up the road. Uh, steep gradients. This is uh, one of the, as you recall, one of the uh, deceptive um, tracks that uh, the evasive maneuvers that can be taken if you're being tracked by somebody. Uh, you take a steep gradient down or up. 
Uh, if you can go up a steep gradient, um, a lot of times this is like uh, you would climb up a vertical gradient, or you might climb a tree and use a tree to um, access a vertical gradient, and then you then you continue your track over the top of the over the top of the hill above your pursuing party who's in a box valley underneath, or um, you notice that uh, there was a a sharp uh, down gradient behind you, and you want to go back there and check and make sure that uh, that your target didn't go down the the bank off of the trail and uh, and loop back behind you and reacquire his trail somewhere off on the probably on the other side of the the trail that you're following uh, possibly backtracking on his trail and crossing some distance back or backtracking on his trail and cutting out across uh, to the left or to the right um, So I'm going to start the tracker dog and team training on this section. Uh, it's a good to keep in mind that uh, dogs track differently than people. Obviously, they use uh, they use smell more than sight. Uh, a good tracking dog is uh, invaluable. They do they do a lot of their own tracking. They uh, they pay attention to things once they know what they're supposed to be looking for, and uh, they do try to guard their their people. So they do take uh, the initiative, and you want to pay attention to your tracking dog to make sure that when they're giving an indication that there might be something going on, to believe that they have some reason to think that there's something going on and uh, act like there might be something going on rather than to assume that only you can direct them to uh, think that there's something going on. So you can put a dog on a track and, and, uh, and ask the dog to follow the track, but you also have to pay attention to if the dog indicates to you that there's a track to follow. Um, So the team's mission is to establish contact with uh, with the target by following scent tracks over terrain uh, that does not hold visual signs. So this might have happened. You lost the track. You have a you have a track point. You you leave a couple people and you go back and you get a dog and you bring a dog out to to pick up the track where you lost it and. Uh, help reestablish the track with a scent trail. Um, by following scent tracks over terrain that does not hold visual sign. So the, the handler and the dog are considered a team within the, within the tracker team. So dog's capability, and this is something you want to remember if you are evading tracking that... Uh, if they have a dog with them, 
you want to keep in mind that they might just it might not be just a visual tracker that's following you. It might they might also include a dog, and uh, to remember that uh, you have to sort of evade for scent tracking also if you can. Uh, the ability of a tracker dog team to complete a track successfully is dependent uh, primarily on the the distribution and quantity and uh, life of the that's the 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 uh, freshness of the scent being followed. And that in turn is influenced by climate terrain and age of track concerned. So a well-trained track dog, tracking dog can be expected to track quarry until he's caught or until such time as all scent dissipates or is uh, mingled with other odors in the area. And uh, given a suitable tracking condition, it's, it's reasonable to expect that a tracker dog team can follow natural wanderings of single or multiple quarry for at least 5,000 meters over rugged and varied terrain on a scent track that's at least 12 hours old. So while tracking, the dog is also capable of, of alerting the handler uh, to the presence of trip, trip wires and ambushes. Uh, the dog's limitations, uh, which they do have despite their effectiveness, uh, tracker dog teams can fail to complete mission due to uh, quite a few tangible and intangible reasons. The most common causes are uh, accommodation, a combination of uh, poor terrain and adverse climatic com conditions and, uh, and failure to employ the, the team promptly so the, the scent trail isn't fresh. Um, The, the scent trail can help to reestablish a, a lost trail, and a, and a visual tracker might be able to pick up a trail uh, after a scent trail has been established. So it's not always the, uh, the end of it. Um, other causative factors are a, a, a lack of follow-up follow training, uh, poor physical conditioning, a faulty handler with a faulty motivation, and an inability to verify the track uh, visually and the requirement to track extensively in built-up areas or along hard-surfaced roads. So the tracker dog and the handlers are uh, trained in preparation for integration for a team, and the training includes in-depth instruction on canine behaviors that relates to tracking dogs, animal care and grooming, first aid, prevention of disease in dogs, kennel management, all that sort of thing. Uh, and those safety requirements that are unique to dog training activities so before specialized uh, training commences, all teams are required to become proficient in basic and advanced obedience exercises with dogs, and the animals are accustomed to working under gunfire. Uh, specialized training consists of basic, intermediate, and advanced tracking, and training uh, designed to condition uh, the dog in detecting booby traps and ambushes. Uh, the essential traits are... Um, there's the successful care and training of the dog depends to a great extent on the personal characteristics of the handler and of the dog. Uh, experience shows that uh, the following traits are essential. You need to be the handler needs to be friendly and have a good attitude towards dogs. Uh, individuals selected to train and handle dogs must have a genuine fondness for and interest in them. And if that quality can't be readily identified, uh, they should be considered. Uh, to not be um, a good for a good handler for a tracking team. Uh, it doesn't matter how good a visual tracker they are, 
Um, if they're not very good with an the animal, then they shouldn't be tracking with the animal. Uh, and intelligence, it's uh, shown that individuals with uh, less than average intelligence cannot be taught to care for and train train the dog successfully. Patience and perseverance. Uh, the handler cannot force the desired behavior upon the dog, nor can he expect dogs to learn as rapidly as humans. Uh, he has to be patient and persevere until each exercise is brought to a successful conclusion and really be patient with the dog. Um, you know, they want to they do the best that they can, and they want to help. They want to help everybody out. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They want to do the right thing. So it's up to the handler to make clear indication of what the right thing is and not to be frustrated when the dog isn't understanding it, to try to, to, try to understand how the dog is seeing it and uh, present it so the dog can make sense of it in a way that helps everybody out. Uh, mental and physical coordination, a good handler has to have a, a good way to convey wishes to the dog by body movement and gesture and voice, and this requires a definite amount of mental and physical coordination. Physical endurance, uh, not only does the handler have to be able to show good coordination, he has to be able to maintain his effort as long as necessary and be able to outlast the dog during training period. And that includes being able to swim. A lot of overseas operation includes waterborne patrol. And uh, resourcefulness, uh, good training uh, procedures should be carefully set forth, and it's inevitable that situations would arise that would uh, call for action that's not covered by published guidelines. Handler must be able to make uh, good decisions and to meet the situation successfully uh, with the interest, the best interest of the dog and the unit in, in mind and the, the group of people that they're working with. Uh, dependability, the welfare of the dog is at the hand, then in the hands of the handler and the dog cannot disclose how they're being treated uh, or make reports, and their physical well-being, you know, it depends primarily on the willingness of the, uh, of the handler uh, to do manual labor as, as necessary for kennel management and feeding and cleanliness. And failure of those responsibilities means failure of the training program. So... Uh, to determine qualifications, uh, you've got uh, dog selection criteria. Uh, Labrador Retriever is one type. Um, they've got quite a few now that they use. There's some. Uh, they've been using mixed uh, mixed breeds. Uh, the Labrador is. Um, these are uh, dogs that are used for hunting and fetching. Uh, game. Uh, they have a good, a real good nose for for both water retrieval and uh, ground search and retrieval. Uh, the water dogs are good for it, and uh, and there's uh, the South African dogs. Um, they are uh, pretty good. Um, it used to be uh, German Shepherds and uh, Doberman Pinschers were used. Uh, Doberman Pinschers don't have a real good uh, scent capability. They work better from eyesight. Um, and uh, the German Shepherds have, a, have less endurance 
environmental endurance and um, and distance endurance than some other breeds of dogs. So the tracker dogs are bold and confident with a good temperament that permits them to adjust to changing situations. Uh, sudden noise, movement, gunfire uh, does not cause them to lose composure. And they have to be su sufficiently um, bold to perform the task required. Uh, they should be composed and controllable, controllable when required to work in close proximity to uh, other people and animals. And they should be energetic and not excitable, able to take the initiative, but also able to follow direction. And willing but not fawning and inquisitive without being distractible. Um, there are different ways to motivate. They, they do uh, play motivation now. Uh, some dogs respond to that. Uh, most dogs respond to food motivation. This doesn't mean that they should be shorted food. It just means that they get, uh, they get a food reward when they do well. Uh, the food reward is a problem when there's tracking going on because it can just, it can interfere with the scent collection uh, while the dog is working. So um, sometimes the uh, handler has to come up with some other way to do that. Some dogs, they just like the, a good portion of the dogs, they, they like to do the work because, uh, because it's working with their handler and they like to work with the handler. So that's, that's a big part of their incentive is, you know, to, they're a working dog. They like to go to work. Um, so they have to be in good phys physical condition and have a physique that's uh, readily able to traverse rugged terrain. Uh, there's a screening procedure that they go through that uh, selects them out of other dogs. And, uh, and then they, they go through the training and it's just like, uh, it's just like military training. They, they can wash out of the training. Uh, they can fail the training and then they get a, they get recycled a couple times. And if they fail the recycle training, then they're out of the program. Just, just exactly like, uh, an MOS. So they get a, you know, they get a lot of, um, chances to be successful. And uh, if they fail, a lot of times they're picked up by civilian organizations and used for other types of search and and rescue like uh, disaster rescue out of rubble and that kind of thing that, um, you know, they might not be well cut out or well suited for, for uh, a military uh, work, but they might be just, they might be quite good for, for civilian side work. Uh, and they can also be rotated into uh, assist dogs or therapy dogs. So equipment uh, used in training, and I'm not going to go through all of this if uh, you know if the person's not going into uh, tracking dog tracking team. It's not really necessary to go into all the the specifics of it. Uh, one of the main things to remember is that. Uh, you know, dogs, uh, they can only work for a short period of time. They have a short attention span, and when you are being pursued by a dog or you are trying to uh, establish your trail with a dog, you want to keep in mind their short attention span. Uh, they, 
they have an attention span of a of a thirty minutes to an hour, and then they need to they kind of need to rest. They need to rest their nose, and they need to think about other things, and then they can start up again. So if you're being pursued by a dog and you're trying to evade um, your pursuers, and they have a dog with them, you you can. Uh, one of the things you can keep in mind is that uh, about every hour or so the dog needs to rest and that gives you some time to come up with some way to uh, evade your pursuers or to put some good distance between you and your pursuers. So tracking through ice and snow, uh, unfavorable, the unfavorable conditions. Uh, and I'm just about out of time on this section, so I'll put this in a different section. Uh, they Dogs track through ice and snow and in sub-freezing temperatures. Uh, it can be a little bit difficult for tracker dogs uh, because it uh, cuts the scent uh, if it's not it hasn't made, been made just in the most recent hours. So if there's any time on the scent, uh, the cold cuts it. Also, uh, it's difficult for them to... Um, to follow a scent across the snow surface more than it is across a ground surface. A snow surface doesn't really have the same kind of scent capture pockets that uh, a ground surface does. So if the track is laid on top of ice, snow, or, or frost, the tracking conditions uh, are better uh, since the humidity will cause the scent to cling to the track. But if the ice or snow uh, forms over the track, so if there's been uh, a, a night and more ice has kind of formed across the top of the track, this cuts the scent and it makes it difficult for the dog to follow the scent quite as clearly. Um, if a tracker dog is placed upon the track, as thawing begins, it stands an excellent chance of completing the track successfully. Um... For tracking at night, uh, from a scent discrimination viewpoint, the tracking conditions are, are excellent at night. Uh, the scent is uh, generally clinging to the ground and the surrounding vegetation due to the, uh, due to the moisture in the air. And uh, although operational tracking at night is not desirable, uh, it might be necessary. So dog teams should be exposed to night tracking exercises and if you're being tracked at night, you want to assume that the dog can follow you, even though their vision's not great at uh, their their night vision with their nose is pretty good. Uh, motivation and control are difficult, especially in rugged terrain where movement is difficult and frequent halts are required. So many dogs lose motivation under those conditions. And you want to remember that if you're trying to elude pursuit. Um... And the amber uh, that that uh, the dog uh, needing to rest often um, that can set you up for an ambush. So you wanna uh, you wanna keep that in mind. So I'm about out of time on this section. That concludes the section.